All right, guys, we are back with the second part of our three-part series from United States barista champion, Charles Babinski. Hello, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud podcast. I'm Chris Baca, and I'm here with my brother from another mother, Mr. Jared Truby. Hey! And with us today, we have the current United States barista champion and co-owner of the always delicious G&B Coffee and Go Get Em Tiger in Los Angeles, California, Mr. Charles Babinski. Hello, Charles. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming. How do you approach training for this stuff? Are you neurotic and intense or are you, you know... For the barista competitions? Yeah. Like, if you say you, you competed for so many years and did well... <laughs> more consistently than most people will ever do. Like yeah. you ended up in the finals tons of times, and then you win, and now you're going to the World Barista Championship. Like, what's going on in your mind? Uh, I mean, bear in mind this is a year where I had a wedding and a baby coming. Like my mind was small my potatoes. Was, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and and also just uh, six, seven years of of competing mm -hmm. and being around barista competitions. Like I've learned and I've done a lot of the stuff that uh, that I need to. So, uh, you know, in the past, I'd say two years, the the training has been a little bit more subdued mm -hmm. uh, than it was previous. There's definitely like I, I'd say this year. So usually I have some kind of starting point for a routine that uh, is what I build off of. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, you know, like two years ago, I really wanted to pull all of my shots right at the beginning and treat espresso as just a raw ingredient in relation to all of the other things that I was doing. So I had that as the idea. I, w I knew that I wanted to talk about service, and that was the, the foundation from which, you know, the, the routine grew. Uh, this year, I had, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess to give a little bit of background, um, and I'm sure you've experienced this, Chris, as well. Like when you compete in the USBC and you do something, you know, say you want to bring like service in. You're like, I'm a, I'm a barista. Let's talk about service. Let's, let's, let's bring this to the competition. And, you know, you, you rack your brain and you, you beat your head against a wall trying to figure out how to relate it to this very specific format of 15 minutes in front of four judges. Right. Mm -hmm. And you do it. And you, you do pretty well, but you don't don't kill it. And you talk to the judges, and they say, "We just wanted to learn more about the coffee, yeah. <laughs> right? We we just wanted to we just wanted more coffee information. We want you to tie it more to the coffee." And so, right, so okay, all right. So then you look at the uh, barista com competitors out there who do that, right? Mm -hmm. Who have the success, and you hear what they're saying, and what they're saying is. Uh, this coffee was grown at a high elevation. It's these amazing varieties, and uh, there's this uh, diurnal temperature variation, where it's re really hot during the day and then cool at the it's night. It's all the stuff that you should already well, know. Yeah, right? It's like well, it's, this is specialty coffee. This this is, this is good coffee. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to have delicious coffee that did not have these things happen, that would be news. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. And and it's sort of like so so after years of kind of going through that cycle. I was like, oh, you're like, fine. All yeah. right, all right. So, so I wanted to have a routine this year that was, and I, I, I knew this pretty early on, where I gave all of the rote coffee information mm -hmm. up front in the most rote way possible, mm -hmm. and then basically turned it by saying that I've just pretty much described all all specialty coffee mm -hmm. from this part of the world mm -hmm. and at the same time use that as a way to segue into sharing uh 
a coffee that for me is like the most defining coffee for my love of you know what a coffee can right. be, which is these Ethiopias, which often are like pretty shadowy as far as where they come from and mm-hmm. what's in them, uh, but are still like absolutely amazing. So yeah, somehow, the, yeah, yeah, somehow. Yeah. Uh, so so the goal this year was to you know make this point or you know to convey this idea maybe this it started off as a little bit of an annoyed idea right and then you sort of filter that out uh you you work that out and uh about you know the rope coffee information and at the same time get to share this coffee that you can't give any information about but is perfect right it's so good and it's the exact fucking coffee that you would want to share with somebody if you were to have four people sitting in front of you and you wanted to share the best coffee possible. I mean, you deserve, honestly, Chris and I were standing there at USBC for your first go. And, you know, we had watched you over the years and you were always good, like really, really good. But this was like, exactly to your point, you deserve praise and applause because you did it epically. We knew, because we know the score sheets, right? We're sitting there and we're like, we are, we're going like check, check, check. But thank God, he's saying something genuine and authentic with a point that's not just like, whatever, you know, this box is done, this box yeah. is done, this box is done. And I have a point because whatever, I went to the farm and the farm came to me and then, the, you know, it's just like, I, I processed, yeah, I processed it myself. And, and it's I just like all the things that happen well, every year. And, I, and all that stuff's like, all that stuff is great. It's great and right? fine. But if you're, and, and this we is know maybe, you though. maybe the, <laughs> You this know, is, this is a this is a, a higher aggravation. It's a barista competition, right? Like it's a competition for baristas, mm-hmm. and you know we're all baristas, whether or not we've ever been to a farm or processed coffee ourselves. Right. And there are qualities about what it means to be a barista that we would very much like to share in the barista competition. Yep. And you can't. No, you almost never can. You have to can. work mm-hmm. so hard to figure it out, and mm-hmm. that's that's been the that's been the year in year out. Uh, you know the it, fight. Oh, it's such a thing, and I. <clears throat> excuse me. I remember when we watched Charles in his finals, the last round. Oh, you man, were, we were so, so good. <clears throat> you were so angry, almost. It almost. I was like, <laughs> it Damn, was awesome. What is up with Charles? Because when I watch you, I always see someone who's like really professional, intelligent, calm, cool, and collected. And you were still together, and I was like. Charles got sparked. There's like something going on, like well, it was passion in the maybe. back of his mind, and he, you were fired up, and I was just so pumped on it. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Well, <laughs> just like, listen to me. These are my ideas. You need to respect this right now. Well, okay. On the, uh, you know, you you do the competitions, and you're get you're up there trying to get points. You invariably say some stuff that you do not care about, right? Right. Of course. Like yeah. you, you give some kind of information because you think that that's the information that they want to hear. And this year was a lot of fun because I, especially at the Worlds, was a- able to excise anything that I didn't actually believe in mm-hmm. or didn't think should be there. Nice. But, uh, you know, I went into the regionals having this rough idea about what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And realistically, I didn't have a routine until a day before, nice. two days before. Like, I had a kind of routine. And we actually, the, the uh, regionals was about an hour and a half away, two hours away. And I went to the where the regionals was, and I ended up coming back the day before I competed to do one run-through 
or two run throughs with Percy, who's my who's my coach and has been my coach year in and year out, and uh, then go and, and compete in the regionals. I think I remember talking to you and I was just like, man, you. It was in Palm Springs for everybody who didn't didn't know. It was like 112 degrees. I wore tank tops. It was amazing. Well, there's a water slide there and a lazy, lazy river. river. But I remember that. I remember you saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna head back and do a couple run throughs, and then I'll be back tomorrow." And I was like, "Whoa, you're gonna be tired." And you were working too. I feel like weren't yeah, you also yeah, working? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So it's okay. He smoked you guys by uh, running a shop and practicing twice. He's really good. Well, I mean, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> but, but hold on. But if you're if what you're doing is you're bringing what you do. In the coffee shop, right? If, if if what you're doing every day is the thing that you bring, Authentic. then you don't have to practice. Or I mean, that, maybe you should. Oh man, no, but you're right. I would have been better off. That's if I the had, whole point, right? That's yeah. such a conversation, though. We talk about that all the time. We talk about espresso specifically. So for you, I'll ask you this: Whatever you know, you have a score sheet in front of you when you're competing, or you know, you're training to yeah. basically maximize points on this score sheet, theoretically, and then. When you're making espresso for that score sheet, is that the exact same way that you would make it in your cafe when you think it's the bomb? Yeah. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Freaking have a winner. That's sick. <laughs> that's, that's the real real, though. Because Chris and I talked well, about Well, that's the this. ideal. That's the ideal, right? If is we're that the be... competition actually reflects what the best people are doing? You know, like, for instance, I would assume maybe 50 to 80% of the people in the competition are making coffee differently than they would in their cafes. Huh. Or don't have cafes? Or don't have cafes. Totally. Or are, yeah, yes, exactly. Or aren't able to give their exact interpretation of a coffee in their own setting. So we, Chris and I were talking and we were like, okay, so is the best coffee style as far as extraction and everything the best coffee in competition? Or are we pushing something different you know i.e like if you're making the same coffee in your shop and you're making it in competition and you're winning that's what we would hope yeah. is the truth always for everybody right that would be the status quo so then everybody would try to make coffee in a similar way because that is actually the best coffee what like let's go there for what were your espresso specs uh they were roughly oh god what was it it was like 19 and 50 out Nineteen and fifty out. Yeah, at like twenty-seven or yeah, yeah, yeah. like time uh, frame? twenty-seven to thirty-two. Twenty-seven to thirty-two. Doing it. Yeah, he's all. I'm writing that down. I am writing this down. <laughs> Call me a nerd. It's fine. I I, I gotta say, uh, having sort of, I mean, the first time I competed was two thousand and eight. They've they've done a really good job of getting the judging for espresso way better, and mm -hmm. they're they're really open-minded and. As long as you can, I mean, it, it, it's probably not perfect every single time, but as long as you say w exactly what it is, they're generally pretty good about giving you the benefit of the doubt and mm -hmm. following the experience that, that you're asking them to follow as opposed to bringing their preconceptions in. Right. When we talked to Brent Fortune yesterday, he was saying that, you know, sometimes there was a trend to where all these judges had all this information and they were going to keep it and kind of punish baristas because yeah. they weren't pulling the right levers or checking off the right boxes. Yeah. This is what espresso is. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think they're I think they're pretty, pretty actually great about it right now. Yeah, it's come a long way. That's for yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. You are the man. Let's take it way back. OK. What is your first memory of Chris Baca? Um, <laughs> uh, that was left field. I just went for it. All right. So I 
came up in coffee in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And the West Coast was a foreign world for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Now, I love the West Coast now. And I, uh, I love all of the people and characters of the coffee community on the West Coast. And this is my home. Right. But uh, when I first uh, learned of Chris Baca, <laughs> I was a barista in Chicago. And I think it was the, it, it would have to be 2008 when you smoked the regionals. Yeah. And you did, was it two portafilters at a time in one hand with the Amphim? Oh, yeah, Amphim. Yep. Yeah. Click, clack. That thing was bad to the bone. And, and he was the first person to pull them both out. Yeah. And, and you, set them. And you poured uh, at the judges' table, right? Yeah. But to be fair, I, I was kind of copying James a little bit. <laughs> James Hoffman? Yeah. James Hoffman. The James Hoffman? <laughs> He's so sexy. <laughs> he is. Great guy. But that was the that was the context with which I first uh, first heard about you. I can't remember the first time I met you. It would have had to be two thousand and eight at the competitions, probably. But that was a blur. I remember meeting you for the first time in twenty ten. I remember meeting you at Anaheim. No, in Venice at some point, oh. and we talked briefly. And I knew that I was like, "Oh, that's that's Charles. He's from Chicago, but he's here now." <laughs> What is yeah. he doing here? Mm. There was a buzz about you for some reason. Well, was, you, were competi- you were very charismatic in competition. I remember that was what I heard, and then the first time I saw you was at competition yeah. in Anaheim. Yeah. Well, and it was a thing, right? It's like, until he got a new educator. There's a new educator on the West Coast. It's yeah, Charles. I mean, until he had some clout, has clout. But yeah, That's I mean, fun. back then, there was like a lot of buzz around Intelli. And, and superstars. Was, a lot of people was, came out. It was a really great time for intelligence. It was. And uh, a lot of people used it as a springboard for uh, other great things. Yeah. And if you, if you look at a, you know, um, a good percentage of the people who are doing interesting things right now, at some point, hit intelligentsia during that five-year period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think even, even now, they're still a great training ground and a, a great place to take advantage of the opportunities that a large company can give. Mm-hmm. I definitely owe a lot to them. Yeah. What was, uh, w- I mean, you kind of said like you felt ready, but was, and I'm not trying to speak like towards Intel or anything, <laughs> but what was like, what was the thing that you're like, I think I, I want to open up my own business someday. Or was it that thing where Kyle was like, should we do this? And you're like, yeah, it sounds yeah, right. Yeah. It was, it wasn't that I think I should open up my own business. It's that when the opportunity came up, that's what I was going to do. Gotcha. That was that was the step. So up until that point, you were you were just having a good time, making coffee, educating people, and just enjoying life. Yeah. In the company, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I uh, so I started at in Chicago mm-hmm. as a barista, became an educator, um, got to have a really great experience um, at the Millennium Park Shop in Chicago, which is a really amazing coffee oh, shop. I've been there. Yeah. Not and I. and just kind of you know was able to uh, you, you know when you a, a, a shop kind of ride with uh, myself and the manager Amy Lawler uh, sort of turned the coffee shop from one that you know was was sort of clunking along or going along to one that was like humming mm-hmm. and it was like okay like you this is something that I, I love to be a part of like the training the culture the community and uh there was when chris decided to step down as the educator at venice there was Mm -hmm. an opening chris owens yeah yeah. uh they needed they had an opening and i think it was right after 
Anaheim and or right after London, I think after Mike won. Mm. And when Mike mentioned it to me, I was like, and that was 2010, 2010. Yeah. And uh, Mike mentioned it and it was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Um, you know, the, the first time I'd ever been there had been like a year before when I'd taken a trip. I'd never been to the West Coast. Grew up in Colorado. Uh, but had never been west of Colorado huh. in my life. That was, right? that was my next question. Where'd yeah. you grow up? Family's from the East Coast. Okay. So, uh, you know, I've been living in Chicago for four years. Uh, Chicago's great city. It's definitely like a, a city city, hardworking, Midwestern uh, vibe, terrible winners, the whole thing. Come out to uh, Los Angeles, and it was probably like March or something, right? And I remember getting picked up by the from the airport. I was with Stephen Morrissey, and um, Tim Stiles picked us up. Oh, because he almost worked there for a while. Yeah, he was. He opened up uh, Venice. Yeah, love that guy. And uh, we ended up like going to to Abbot Kinney, right? And sitting at a bar, and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon or three o'clock in the afternoon, drinking a beer, and I'm looking around, and there's just all these people just like hanging out drinking a beer, you know, early afternoon on a Wednesday. And I had this sort of feeling of like, people live like this every day. <laughs> people live like this every day. And, and it's like, cool. It's an all right thing. Like, this is the place you go and, it, and you can do that. Uh, and once, once you have that, that in your head, it's, it's hard to get out. So the first chance I got to move to Los Angeles, I was like, oh, oh my God, I, I have to. And the Venice shop was such a, like, interesting shop and the mm-hmm. bones of it with the slow bar and the, the all of the machines was so cool mm-hmm. that the opportunity to go over there and be uh be the trainer be the educator uh was was too good so so i went to venice um did that with uh with melissa yep um who's who's one of the one of the best and you know same thing like the coffee shop by the time I was, I, I left, it was like one of the, I mean, most interesting, strange, exciting, cool coffee shops that I've had the honor of working at. Like it was so, so special and so, so weird. Like there, mm-hmm. there is still not a coffee shop that operates like Venice. And right. Nobody should build another coffee shop that operates <laughs> like Venice <laughs> because like it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a beast and it's such a bear to, to, to handle. Uh, but when it was humming and when it was when it was working, like there's nothing like it. No, it was insane for a while there. Yeah, and you get you get all the natural light, you get all the like cool, laid back, stoned, uh, you know, Angelinos <laughs> yeah. drinking drinking cappuccinos, and and it, yeah, it was it was a really special experience. Um, after that, I I was the educator for um, the Silver Lake shop when Devin left. Yep. So Devin Petey. I yeah. love that guy. Just dude. shucking oysters, isn't he? <laughs> he's modeling. Devin's, yeah, Devin's actually doing a bunch of stuff. I think he's. I think he's uh, photography, photography, music, like music. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, though, I mean, it, he's just uh, he's in a he's in a great place. I think. Remember when he had a contract out on his hair? <laughs> Wait, really? He was doing. Yeah, it you remember a this? A little bit. True. He was doing. He was, it was when he came to my wedding. He literally couldn't change his hair. He's like, oh man, I'm, I'm sick of my hair and. Jared's like, well, just cut it. He's like, I can't. I did a shoot, and we might do reshoots. <laughs> so I'm under contract. 
can't cut my hair. Do you think he didn't he he and Ryan Wilbur had a little uh, more sidebarring? But I mean, we have to talk about it. Didn't they have a little band there for a little while? I I, I don't they know if they together? had a band. They definitely had a Christmas uh, video. Oh my god! Anybody. Anybody who uh, is interested in seeing Ryan Wilber and Devin Peaty sing a Christmas song, I think it's on Ryan Wilber's YouTube. It's got to be. Um, We're going to dig this up and put the link like, that'll right be on the underneath blog. this thing. Yeah. yeah, It's one of the greatest things ever. Um, I, I, I forget what it's <laughs> like. It was good. Yeah, Wasn't it, was, it a hip-hop song? No, no, no. I think it was like, hey, Devin, do you know what time it is? <laughs> oh, I do, Ryan. It's <laughs> Christmas time. <laughs> oh, man. It's like I stayed a on their Jangle floor. Song. Yeah. That's great. I stayed on their floor right around when they were doing that, and it blew my mind. <laughs> the whole thing. Third <laughs> wave of coffee. That's the second time we've talked Good. about Ryan Wilbur and music in our podcast, because Ryan Wilbur secretly was pitching his music to Chris Bach in a car one time. He came up yesterday. It was fantastic. Ryan Wilbur yeah. oh, came up. Not like, literally. But what kind like, of music? Oh, it was just like old school, kind of like uh, maybe like pre-Fallout Boy, whatever you call that stuff. Emo. Emo. It was like, yeah, it was after emo. Because when I think of emo, I think of like the Get Up Kids, or yeah, you yeah. know, you know, and Bright was, Eyes. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. And this is like post post emo, not hardcore. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Could you give us a jingle? It was it's, good. It's it's what people under thirty refer to as exactly emo, correct. Think. Yes, That'd be true. It's nailed not it. rights of spring. Mm-mm. It's you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> good golly. All right, that concludes part two of three in our series with Charles Babinski, the United States Barista Champion. Log back on and catch number three and leave us some ratings.